now proud partner of the Clydesdale Media. This is the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show hey guys we have a new sponsor for the type 1 lifting podcast the company's called Liberté Lifestyle so Liberté is a French word meaning freedom and the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28, so if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves, and I love them so much. They haven't the neoprene's still good. Uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I've had in the past, uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very, very long time. So uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too. So it's all capital letters, T-Y-P-E, and the number one. So it's type one. So go to LibertéLifestyle.com, uh, check out what they have in the store, use the promo code type one, and save some coin. Now let's go to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have, um, he's been on the show earlier on in the podcast. Uh, he's a fellow diabetic and new DecaComp coach, Brendan Schneider. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Good, uh, good. Going good. Awesome. Dude, thank you for coming back on. So, I mean, the last time we were just talking, like literally two years ago, it's been? Yeah, it was, I think, before the podcast was really a thing. Like, I want to say we talked like you were in your garage gym or something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, and, you know, neither of us really knew what we were doing. We were just on there talking. And um, now you've built this into a, a type one empire, we'll say. Hopefully, crossing cross my fingers. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, before we talk about like DECA comp and stuff like that, um, you recently got married. I want to congratulate you on getting married. Almost, almost married. Oh, I thought, what happened? October 1st. Oh, 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 that was a bachelor yeah. party and stuff like that. So you, you are for like, you were in Nashville or something like that for the weekend? Um, so Alexa, my fiance, she did her bachelorette party in Nashville. Um, I did my bachelor party in Salt Lake City. Um, so I made mine a little bit earlier because I wanted to go ski. So okay. went out there. We actually, it was right after quarterfinals so we flew to vancouver we were in vancouver for a week um doing quarterfinals with michelle and pat and all of them from deca and then i flew from there to my bachelor party in salt lake um and alexa flew actually to my brothers in washington dc for a wedding shower of a cousin of mine so it's kind of funny how and then we came back so we get married in october though oh okay okay October 1st will be the official, the official day. Nice. So how did you propose to her? Uh, it was actually, so I had this big plan. Um, like most people had a yep. huge plan. I was like, this is going to go perfectly. Like we're going to go to the park. We'll bring the dogs. Um, we got to the park. There was people everywhere <laughs> and I'm not like a put on a big show. I didn't want people, you know, like pulling their phones out being like, these people are getting engaged um, so we got home from that walk and I got put on the spot. So Alexa was like, why are you acting weird? What's in your pocket? Cause it was very <laughs> noticeable what was in my pocket. Um, yeah. and so just in our living room at our house and it actually ended up being the perfect like place to do it because there was really no one else around, which is, we're kind of taking that into the wedding of 
our first, we're doing a first look with like just a photographer because mm-hmm. I feel like you can get a little bit more of a genuine reaction than like if I'm on display, I'm going to be a little bit more reserved than where I would normally be. So yeah. Yeah. My, mine was kind of low key too, as well. So I, we like, I used to be big into triathlons when I, when I proposed to uh, Sarah. So we were on a bike ride and all of a sudden, um, we got pulled over, like didn't get pulled over. We stopped at like a Gloucester mass. And so pretty much like, we were just like going to the bathroom. And it's all like, I had her in front of me because I had the ring and I'm wearing a bike Jersey. So it's like blatantly obvious where you could see it. And so, um, after I went to the bathroom, I came back and we walked to this like certain area. Um, it's like a fisherman, like big fisherman statue. And I proposed to her there. And then on the ride back, she got two flat tires. Yeah, that's it. So like, it was just the perfect start. Right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! And come to find out, it was like a little like metal shard that like just like went through the tire, and I didn't find it on the second time. I was like changing the tires, so I literally had to sprint all the way back to the my car to pick pick up her pick her back up because she was like just chilling out like underneath a tree. Because oh, so she just out. like left her on the side of the road and ran. Yeah, back. yeah. <laughs> I was like, no choice, and like, and it was funny because like you could see her. Like when she's riding her bike, cause she, I like to be in back just in case if a car, you know, gets close or hits me, they actually can hit me instead of her. You could see her like, yeah. ra- like raising her hand up like this, just to look at the ring while she's riding. And I'm like, eyes up front. Don't look at that. It's yeah. it, it, it so, yeah, it was, it, it was pretty funny. Blown away. Yeah, yeah. That'll be for me, I think, cause I'm not a jewelry wearer. Like the extent of my jewelry is like my Dexcom and my insulin pump. And yeah. so I've never worn anything other than a watch, I guess would be the closest. Um, so I think it's going to take me a while to get used to wearing a ring. Like yeah. when that actually happens. Well, especially you in the medical field, as well as, you know, yeah. being a coach is kind of hard wearing a ring while you're doing work. So that's, um, we talked about that and I'm pretty much, I was like, Oh, I just need a silicone one. Like, I'm 99% of the time. That's what I'll have to have on anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and so we settled on because we live in Kentucky. We settled on, um, I'm going to get a bourbon barrel ring. So it's wood. And then I'll get some silicone rings and stuff. I've always thought the aura rings were really cool too. that read like your sleep and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's a, it's a work in progress. I imagine at some point I'll end up with, we actually at Wadapalooza, they were doing an engraving so you could get the silicone rings engraved. Oh, cool. So we both got them. So I, in theory, already have one, um, with, we got our wedding date engraved on the Quelo ring, which will be sweet. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. I, we, I, I typically don't wear rings at my, my ring that much. I'll wear it into work. And then like, once work's done, I'll just like take it off when I'm driving, like driving long distances, like I'll take it off or you know, I only wear it when, like, when we go out to dinner or like, or maybe at work and that's pretty much the gist of it. And she's like, where's your ring? And I'm like, it's in the coin little area for, in my car, in the middle console. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, well, it's there. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. That's, uh, it's definitely going to be a learning curve. I'll have to, cause it took me, I was like, not a watch wearer for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so it just took me like, just kind of getting through being weird about it for a while and fooling around with the watch. And now I forget that it's there. Yeah. Do you feel naked without it? Yeah, now I do. I actually have a sweet farmer's tan from it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it'll show, but nice. I can see, I can like see a, it. Yeah. I got a pretty gnarly sunburn last weekend. We were visiting my sister in Connecticut and uh, we went to the beach and I am not exactly the most sun tolerant individual. Mm-hmm. And so I got my first good burn of the year and I had the watch on. So I've got like a sweet white circle right in the center. Nice, nice, nice. So um, like you said, you, you have a Dexacom and, and a pump. So you're like, if for the new, the new listeners that have it, that don't know Brendan, he's a type one diabetic as well. And so how, how are your diabetes? Like how's your numbers and sugars going lately? So it was my training volume, like I'm super dependent on my training volume of where kind of how my numbers are. Um, but in the last seven or eight months, I started working with a nutrition coach and then I also switched over to the tandem. And so I had a ton of trouble with overnight lows, but now with the tandem, 
syncing up with the Dexcom. I've actually only been low once at night in the last four months. Wow. That's awesome. Um, because it'll turn off if you're coming down, like it'll turn off down your basil. If you're coming down, if it's coming down too fast, it shuts off and then it turns itself back on. Mm. So like when I sleep, I sit at like 105 straight through the night. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have a little taper towards like the end of sleep, but for the most part, it's been a huge change for me. Um, Cause I was like having to drink juice all night and I'd wake up two or three times a night. Now it's like once maybe to go to the bathroom that's mm-hmm. undiabetes related. Yeah. Yeah. So how was the, well, obviously the, the fiance was a little and probably getting a little annoyed for you getting low all the time. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a joke because like the middle of the night, she's a super heavy sleeper. So like I could play drums in our room and she wouldn't <laughs> wake up. Um, but it, every once in a while I would go like pretty low and I'd be like fumbling around with stuff. Um, but during the day, every once in a while, I'll be like going to grab something cause I'm coming down and she'll be like, you know, I think I'm low too. And she'll like wander over and grab like if I'm grabbing cereal or whatever it is, and she'll take a little bit. So it's like an ongoing joke that if I'm low, why isn't she low kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you guys have been together for quite a while. So how was her experience from the beginning of you, like you, her understanding what diabetes is to, to now? It, so she actually got like trial by fire from it. Um, so I think about a year might be a little bit less into us dating. I had like a super bad low, um, like was pretty unresponsive ended up like, I've always taken the approach of like, if I have a friend or a significant other, like I tell them like the basics of what they need to know, like if things go horribly wrong, this is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And so she knew to like take frosting and like put it in my gums just enough to like start the train rolling kind of thing. And so she freaked out, was putting, it was either honey or frosting. I can't remember off the top of my head. I know I was super (laughs) sticky when I woke up, Yeah. (laughs) Um, but she called my mom. So my parents live in New York. I live in Kentucky. My mom like was walking her through and my like, it's probably because I work as a nurse is like, don't call an ambulance unless I can't tell you not to call an ambulance kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And so she called 911 and they showed up and I was like starting to, it was actually my mom's voice that like was the first thing that kind of triggered. And I'm sure it's from just like that natural, you know, you hear your parents' voice kind of thing. Yep. And my brain started to piece things together. And so I'm like still somewhat out of it. And these firefighters are trying to check my number. They can't figure out how to work the glucometer. So I'm like half awake, helping them use the glucometer on me. <laughs> um, the guy, you know, pricks my finger right where there's a huge glob of frosting. And he's like, your number's 500. And I was like, no, no, you're an idiot. Like <laughs> clean my hand off first. Um, so she, she got that experience pretty early and, you know, she's had, I have more issues with lows than highs typically. Um, so she knows like, if I start asking weird questions or rambling on about something, she catches me, you know, that I'm low. And so, or if my number is high, cause like I tend to sometimes get highs when I change my site, mm-hmm. I'll be a little bit like short tempered. Um, I never like freak out, but I just like get annoyed with things and I don't even realize I'm doing it. So she's definitely had, she's learned kind of my patterns and she can tell when my demeanor changes and she knows something's off, um, which is super helpful. The yeah. Dexcom's nice cause I have just a constant track on it. So I catch a lot of things before they happen, but mm-hmm. every once in a while, especially early on, um, there were times where she would tell me things before I knew or reacted to, she'd be like, you need to go drink a juice box. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> Why? I didn't want to, I don't know, but yeah. So, so is she connected to your Dexacom too? Through the app? She is. So okay. She has it on her phone. Um, but we have it set 
so that it'll just alarm if I'm low. So she gets the low alarms. There wasn't really a point in giving the high alarms because typically it's like I'm waiting for my pump site to kick in and it'll just like keep alarming on her phone. And I was like, you don't need that. The one that we need to worry about is the low one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been times that she's been, she was at a bachelorette party and I was home alone and it started going off and I hadn't woken up yet. And she was like going to call friends of mine to come like basically break into our house. Um, <laughs> but I had already woken up, drank juice and just like not thought about telling her, but yeah, the decks come slightly delayed. So you go down farther before you come back up. And so I'd woken up, drank a juice, ate some cereal, went back to sleep, didn't look at my phone. Um, she had called me like eight times and, you know, send texts, like, just tell me you're alive kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure it causes like, it's really good because it is good to have backup, but I'm sure it causes more stress in her life some days than she would like. Yeah. I don't, I don't have my wife connected to my Dexacom because that's the last thing that she needs to stress out about. Cause she literally has like my two kids and then her job. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, she'll hear the beeps and be like, what is that? And I'm like, I'm high. And she's yeah. like, why are you high? And I'm like, well, I probably misdiagnosed, like, you know, missed, you know, the units of insulin. I need to add a little bit more. It's fine. Don't worry. You know, yeah. so, but you know, it happens. So, um, with, with nursing and stuff like that, I know you got back into nursing. Yeah. So yeah. are you, are you working nights at all or what, what are you so doing now? I actually, let's see a month ago, switched jobs. So I was working pediatrics. Um, so I'd worked ER and pediatric, I'd work trauma, I'd work ICU. Most recently, I worked vascular access. Um, and then a friend of mine was like, hey, we have this opening in, so our big adult hospital is the University of Louisville. Um, it's our level one trauma center. And mm-hmm. so they reached out to me to interview for a position as a trauma lead. It's called a trauma resource nurse. And yep. so um, ended up getting that job. So I'm in orientation for that job currently. So right now I'm working nights. Last week I was working days. Um, eventually I'm going to work mid shift and that's going to be my full time. Um, so it'll be one to one or three to three, depending on where the schedule lines up. Um, but it, it's kind of like the combination of all the jobs I've done in nursing are coming together to this position. So we respond to all of our level one traumas, which is a lot busier than I originally expected mm-hmm. in a good way, because I don't, I definitely don't like sitting around. So it's nice because there's really quick turnover. Um, and then I get to work in the ICUs because we follow any patient that comes in through our trauma service. We follow them for 14 days post traumatic injury to make sure you know, they're not going septic or they're not having any arrhythmias that people just aren't catching. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're kind of like a fail safe to make sure any trauma patient kind of gets the care they continue to need because people are busy. I mean, hospitals right now, low on staff and there's no shortage of patients. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, So we created, this position was created to basically aid in the initial trauma process and then continue to support the patients through the trauma system after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I work as a medical recruiter and obviously like, you know, everyone's looking for travel assignments and all that stuff. So have you ever thought about doing travel assignments or just, you just want to stay in one place and like, that's it. It, so I looked into it originally um and it sounds great like there's like i mean obviously you make more money and you get to see more places um but there's a certain comfort to having routine um so with like i'm in a gym now that's a great atmosphere and there's great people um i've got this deca thing going and so to add another sort of like crazy factor of moving and mm-hmm. So maybe down the line, um, I'll never like say no to it. Um, but this job now that I just got, 
is like a basically like if I was going to write myself a job description, it would be this one. Yeah. And there's no, no point of like leaving it all either. So it's a good, it's a good yeah. gig, especially mid shift too. Like I used to work overnights. It was, I used to hate overnights. Like yeah. I'm definitely not an overnight guy. I'm like at the early morning to like, you know, seven to seven or six to six or whatever. Like that's, that's my routine, but like, yeah, overnights just absolutely killed me. Yeah. That's uh the one-to-one -one or three to three even because I worked seven P to seven a for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, is just like any time you can shift closer to normal. <laughs> um, yeah. So three to three, even though you get off at 3am, you're asleep by like, I live super close to work. So um, I'm home within eight minutes of getting off work and I'm asleep within 45 minutes of leaving. So mm -hmm. I'm still, I can wake up at, you know, 10 o'clock rather than having to wake up at two in the afternoon. Yeah. And even though it's a four hour shift, it's a big like mental change because 10 a.m. is still the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2 p.m. is the afternoon. Yeah. And it feels like you kind of the day's wasted. Yeah, exactly. So that's how, because I'm on nights for this week because they wanted me to orient with a specific ICU nurse and she works night shift. And so I wasn't against it because I've worked nights before and it's one week, like I can handle it, but mm -hmm. It like today I woke up at two o'clock, um, but I'll go to sleep tonight because a little extra sleep is always good. Um, I'll go to sleep a little bit later than I normally would, but um, it'll be good. Cause then I'll wake up early, get some stuff done in the morning and go get a nap before I go into work. So, okay, um, cool. I've got it down to a pretty good science, but working night shift is tough. Like, yeah. I, at one point was training twice a day, working 12 hour night shifts. Like it, uh, it definitely takes a toll and especially the people around you, because you can't, you can't do anything else while you're doing that. It's yeah. Like yep. you sign off from the world for those three days and that's just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there were times when I was working at, uh, the children's hospital, Atlanta, we're doing overnights and all of a sudden, like I would work the weekends. It'd be like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. And yeah. so like overnights and like, I think it was like Saturday going into Sunday. I was like, I woke up with like nine hours of sleep and I'm like, I feel like I got run over by a truck. Yeah. Like it, it I just did not feel like I got a good enough sleep. She, my wife's like, what are you kidding? What are you talking about? You got like eight hours of sleep. I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. It's so. weird. It's a, you don't get like our house is like blackout curtains. Like mm -hmm. I have it as built for going to sleep during the day as I can. But I mean, there's trucks that drive by my house. There's like one week there was construction going on at my neighbor's house. And that's just like things that don't happen at night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's absolutely. Funny. Yeah. So how, how's your training going on right now? So I, obviously you're kind of like all over the place with your schedule with your new job. And so like, what, what's your training have, like, you know, what, what's your style of training of, you know, the, the hours that you do train? Yeah. So it's, um, stayed pretty consistent. Um, I think it's super helpful that my friends are at the gym, like Alexa works out, you know, she's now doing weightlifting. So she works out so she understands that like need to go train. Um, but work days, sometimes I'll do two a days. So I'll go in the morning, either after when I get off work and do some kind of my longer cardio piece mm -hmm. where I can just kind of move and I don't have to do a lot of like thought thinking through or like produce a ton of power. Then I'll go to sleep and then I get up I go to the gym for like two and a half hours, shower at the gym and then drive to work. Um, my days off though, usually what I've been doing in the last two or three weeks is I move all my double sessions to my days off and then my days on or my single sessions or my rest days, the days at work. And so it's helpful because now I'm inside we'll say the beast in the sense of like, I work for the company that the programming I follow. So I have a little bit more access and a little more 
you know, knowledge about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can tailor things a little bit better to my schedule. But that being said, we also release all the programming a week early. So if someone, we get it out by Sunday. So if someone plans their week, they can see it all ahead of that. Um, but I'm following. So I help, I guess we're now rolling into the deck of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. so I follow our elite program. So at DECA, we have our elite program, then we have our perform program. And then there is an affiliate program and a home gym program that are kind of spinoffs of our two major programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the perform is what our comp program was. We just changed the name when we put out the elite, whereas the elite program is based off of what Michelle has used for her games athletes previously. Um, so Michelle Aton, who owns DECA, who created DECA, um, was a six times games athlete. Um, she had also has an art background, which kind of translates over to the programming. It's kind of interesting um, because it's a little more creative in that sense. Hmm, that's interesting. But yeah. yeah. Um, so she writes that program um, and kind of the system we have is so Kevin, who's our other, like I'll say head programmer, he writes the perform program. So Michelle tackles the games and high level elite level. Kevin tackles the perform. And then basically we have them all in spreadsheets and I go in and put pieces in there that, you know, what I see they'll assign like I was doing a power endurance phase. So like I was writing pieces into our perform program. And then I do a lot with our home gym program, but also I'm the director of, we have a comp club. So that's a lot of stuff going on, but um, the comp club runs off of our perform program, but we have a few athletes on the elite track and it is set up similar to like a triathlon club. Okay. Uh, in that it's a group of people who don't, we're not giving direct remote coaching to, but we're giving them more than like a template. But it also allows them a chat where they can talk to other athletes in the program that are running the same programming to discuss pieces, how they approached it. They can throw videos on there and I'll coach them um, like on coach's eye. And so they're getting a little bit more without the having to pay like a personalized program rate. Okay. So it's sort of that in between ground. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So I know when we first met, you were on misfit and now yep. you were doing, de- uh, de- now you're doing deck of comp. So what made you actually transfer over? I know, cause I know you've done like other programs in between too. So yep. what, what made you kind of like stick with DECA and say, Hey, this is like a great program to work with. Um, so it was kind of an interesting, so I was coaching full-time, um, but the, it was more on the affiliate like class level. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to try and break into the competitive space um, because I wanted to, I love, still coach affiliate classes part-time here just because it's good to get that experience in and get those reps in. Yep. But I wanted to like break myself into that competitive space. Didn't really have an idea of how to do it. So I ended up just like starting to take some classes, get some certifications, like learn how to program, how to coach at a higher level. And I actually took a class that DECA put on during the shutdown time. So it was an online Zoom class about how to characterize. So like when you get in front of a class, basically put people into boxes based on their personality. Mm -hmm how to coach specific to those personalities. And so there was like four different groups. It was like the red group. This is, you know, how you want to approach their training. You know, the green group is going to be your more, your shy people that you just have to give like a few little things for them to work on. You don't want to push them because that they shut down. Mm-hmm. And then you have your group of people that like need their ego fed to like fuel the fire. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's just those like personalities that exist. So I took that class. 
they did a like Q and A at the end. Um, it was actually with Michelle and Kevin, who I now work with. And so I stuck around, talked to them a little bit. We ended up talking for a little while. It was like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, class ended. And I was like, wow, I really like, you know, their approach and their thought process to training and to people like, and how to approach people. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm a pretty analytical person. So I don't like to just like surface know who I'm working with. Um, I like to have a little bit more knowledge so I can help, you know, steer them a little bit. And so after that, I kept in touch a little bit on Instagram, just like here and there, sent some messages. Um, Michelle reached out to me. It would have been right before I started an internship with them and had some questions about an athlete that she has who had diabetes. Okay. Um, so it kind of comes full circle. I, so. I, I, th I think I know who it is because I actually had him on my, uh, on my, on my podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's uh, uh, is, is, is it, is it Michael G is it Michael Jean? Yes. Michelle? Yeah. That's, that's, I had him on my podcast. Yeah. So he works with Michelle or worked with Michelle. Um, so she was just asking me some questions like just about diabetes. So she could better understand how to work with him and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so got in a conversation with her about that, that conversation ended and I said to Alexa that night, I was like, what if I just ask him if I can intern? Like, it's pretty common in the strength and conditioning field that people intern and sort of like build. I was like, you don't really hear about it in the CrossFit space, but why can't it be? Um, mm -hmm. And the worst that happens is I just learn a bunch of stuff and then my internship ends and I move on to the next thing. Uh, um, so interned. I was actually their first ever intern. I might be the first ever intern in CrossFit is kind of the joke. <laughs> um, I said that I was the fittest Canadian or fittest American Canadian intern uh, because they're all up in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down here. Um, so went through the internship. They ended up offering me this director of the comp club and assistant coach position. So first experience with that was I got to go to Wadapalooza and we were planning on going anyways, but I got to go back in the warm up area and work with Pat and our other athlete Freya. Um, and at the time, Ellie Turner. And so learned like the warm up process and how she kind of navigates all their personalities of like who needs to be talked off the ledge before they go out there and who mm -hmm. needs just like at this point, Pat is like, he knows the, the motions and he, they work so well together because they've worked together for so long that he just kind of shows up and does the job. And, um, you can tell he likes to joke around and stuff like that. And so Freya, our other athlete is super young and super new in the space. So like, she's just super excited and ready to go, but is like a killer when she gets out there. So learning how she, cause they're vastly different. You have a 20 year old female athlete and you have a 32. That's a yeah, guess. I think so. Um, yeah. Roughly around there. Um, your old athlete who's been to the games however many times. Um, and so you get, I got to see this like huge difference between the two. Um, so after Wadapalooza got to help through that, got to see like how you navigate. We had that weather delay and like, they didn't know like events changed and things like that. So helped them through the warm up, cool down, and then got invited to go out to Vancouver for quarterfinals. So I got to help prep them. Plus I got to guinea pig a couple workouts because I was doing quarterfinals. Um, so I got to test run a few and like give some thoughts based on what my experience was like. Mm -hmm. And then let's see that we were in Vancouver. Then from there, we'll go to the games in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. It, I three think it was like, thir I, I saw 30 days. It was something like 30 days or something yeah. like that. Right for around that time. Beginning of August, um, yeah. end of July, beginning of August. Um, 
so that'll be like the next sort of test in my in learning as an assistant coach. Um, but programming wise for myself, this elite program has been a great jumping off point. And we use Train Heroic. Um, it's also on Wattify, but Train Heroic's nice because people spit their scores and they're all on there. So you get this competitive, like there's a couple guys that I know we are close to each other and they get me on some things and I get them on some. So it has this like community drive in that programming. Um, plus it's hard to argue. They've been success. Deck has been successful now. They're kind of like the sleeper. Um, they didn't get talked about a ton. Um, you have, you know, bigger camps like proven and, um, especially like in the U S in mm -hmm. Canada, they're, gigantic um as far as like everyone knows who they are in the crossfit space but in america it just like the comp trains and misfit and stuff is just a bigger um known name and so i didn't necessarily i felt like if i jumped into that group i would just be like another person um whereas in this like in the deca community we try really hard to be like a more personal in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. even though as we've expanded since I've been on, we're still trying to answer people's questions when they ask in the Facebook groups and stuff like that. Um, rather than just have it be like an admin run thing. Um, mm -hmm. so on top of the programming being good and it's, you know, beats me up on a regular basis. That's for sure. Um, there's a, it's just a different feel, I guess is the right word for it. Okay. So do you, since you said like DECA is like not really well known down here, do you think they don't really promote it as much as they should down here compared to up in Canada? I think it became bigger in Canada on its own. Um, we're working on sort of the U.S. promotion of the company and trying to grow um, our U.S. following, but Michelle was like a Canadian CrossFit hero. Um, you know, she went to the game, she represented the team Canada in the Invitational, like mm -hmm. she has these roots. She owned a gym in Montreal or just outside Montreal. Um, so it just kind of spread on its own. Um, so she was able, not a lot of people can make that transition from like high level athlete into a high level coach. Um, I think there is like, it's doable. Um, it just takes a certain personality and there's a lot of athletes that I feel like, no, there would not be good coaches. Um, so she was able to make this transition and it kind of built it itself because she had already previously promoted her knowledge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then when she brought Kevin on, um, so Kevin owns a gym outside of Toronto. Um, and he's been, he went on a team in like, I want to say 2015. Um, so he's been there, he's done regionals. He knows the space and has been through it in the development. So you have two like high level minds, both as athletes and as coaches sort of dictating a lot of this stuff um so i learn from them a ton on a regular basis and the goal is to grow that u.s following it's just you crossfit's such a big space but it's such a small space yes yep yeah. so many of those groups like have such a big stronghold in their areas and then you have ones that just like blew up overnight like underdog that no one had really known they knew like Carrie Pierce worked with this coach mm -hmm. and it seemed to like make this transition and it got big. Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting how that works. I don't know if it's all social media driven or what that is. Um, but we're working with some media people to get more content. Um, we filmed with miles to Madison at quarterfinals and they film there's a section in the episode that most recently came out um so there's which i actually don't know when that miles madison comes out but it uh 
we're trying, we're trying to get out there. It's hard to, uh, media is a very interesting landscape mm-hmm. um, to navigate. Yeah. Well, you could say you got two CrossFit, diabetic CrossFit athletes. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, I don't think there's many out there. So, yeah. It, um, and we kind of, I kind of forget about it. It's funny because I've never, approach like I always it's like somewhat in the back of my mind but I've never approached CrossFit as like oh I'm the diabetic CrossFit guy Mm -hmm. um and so I forget about it in that space um and then someone will point it out and I'm like oh yeah that is weird like it's or it's out of the ordinary yeah I mean that's kind of like me too like I don't I mean obviously with type one lifting I promote it but it's like people see me in the gym and they just work out and they're like they have no idea like what that I'm a diabetic until like after the workout, they're like, Oh, what's type one lifting or what's this logo mean? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a type one diabetic. And they're like, Oh, really? And then, you know, then like the whole story goes on and like, you know, about like difference between type two and type one diabetes and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, and then, you know, how, how, like how I'm managing everything and stuff like that. So it's, it's, I don't, I think it's like not too many of us that do CrossFit. So. Yeah. It's a, uh, and now it's become a very, interesting space with the popularity of non-diabetics using glucose monitors yeah yeah um which is like uh i could spin off and probably get myself in trouble about you know non-diabetics using our diabetic supplies um (laughs) but it's like uh it's kind of funny because i've now been approached by multiple people and they're like oh is that the and they'll use the name of one of the like non-prescription ones and I'm like, no, no, I wish I didn't have to wear this. Like, so it's created a conversation, um, but it's kind of interesting how this space has evolved as being a diabetic athlete. And now people are using like things that I look at as like a life-saving tool, you know, just to know information. It's kind of strange. Yeah. It's almost like the whoop too. Yeah. So it's like you, you, everyone, everyone's like, some people are numbers driven and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm like, that's the last thing I want to have is like some piece of equipment attached to my body to when I work out and stuff. Yeah. That's a, I have not figured out why whoop hasn't put a watch feature on their strap. Oh yeah. Because wearing a watch and cause like I use my watch at work constantly, like when did I get meds? What time did we like go to get scans? Like I'm always looking at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have another bracelet on me is like, I'm like, I don't need any more things attached to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got, you got your pump, you got your Dexacom, you got your watch. I'm like, that's, that's and soon to be a ring too. So, yeah. So it's just like, I'm like, I don't need like a bunch of chargers in my backpack just to like plug everything in. Like, but it's the, it's interesting the numbers driven because we've, I mean, as diabetics have lived a life that's entirely numbers driven. Um, it's about where's your number, you know, how many carbs did you eat? Where, where'd your number go from there? What time is it? So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and now I, I don't know, cause I was never like a super analytical person until I found like medicines always interested me, but Mm -hmm. finding coaching and programming, I've realized there's a part of my brain that really likes like how numbers and progressions and stuff like that work. And I don't know, it'd be curious to know if I didn't have diabetes, would I have a totally different outlook on this stuff? Yeah. I I, I think you might've, I think you probably would. Yeah. So, um, uh, so after this internship, what, what's your goal with, are you looking to like run your own, like, you know, group of people or like, what are you, what are you planning to do? So uh, the goal now is building the comp club. Um, so it's fairly small. We've got like 16 pretty consistent athletes, mm-hmm. um, some that do the program, but forget to log their stuff. Um, so they're there, but we've got a bunch that are like super active, super talk, like talkative about what they're doing. Um, ask me questions, stuff like that. So they're utilizing the program. Um, so we're trying to build that. And it's interesting because that's worked a little bit as a feeder 
to some remote coach coaching athletes. Um, so now it's somewhat, you know, earning my stripes at DECA and like proving what I know. And then the goal would be to get some individual athletes. Um, and then also continue to grow the club. Um, I do some stuff with, or I do the home gym programming as well. Um, and then build our affiliate in class right now we have, I think right around 160 affiliates. Wow. Um, which is a pretty big task to try and create programming that fits all spectrums of athlete. That is, I don't want to say easy enough, but it's simplified to where a coach can read it, decide how they're going to coach it and then get effective results from their athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't get to see these athletes. We write it with like a broad idea of what people need. Um, but we film videos every week that go out to the coaches that we talk through coaching points of each piece each day for those affiliate coaches to pull. Um, so with it being such a small company, there's only five of us on staff, six of us on staff. Um, the goal would be to just build with the company. Um, so as it grows kind of whatever that takes, um, it's nice because I get to kind of help with some of the sounding board on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, we're a pretty open group and we have a Facebook message thread. Um, and sometimes it's us making fun of ourselves and each other. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's actual work. Um, most of the time it's actual work, but every once in a while it spins off. Um, so now it's getting things prepped for the game. So we're hosting a workout with tier at a gym on Tuesday of the games. And so that'll, I'll get to like get out into the community with Deca as a coach. And then we're also doing another promo with sugar wad. So we've got some things coming tied into the games outside of actually coaching our athletes to with the goal of winning the games. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to be an assistant at this point, because I feel like I'm still new to it. Um, from that, like live competing standpoint, I'm super comfortable with coaching athletes remote. Um, I've worked with, he's actually an older friend of mine from when I lived in Memphis. He, I write his programming weekly for him. Um, and we talk about pieces and he's in the master's category and doesn't really have the goal of competing, but he likes to lift weights and, um, his goal is to be strong, but to be healthy. So I've gotten really comfortable with tailoring program and changing cycles for him. So, um, it'll be cool to get more hands-on experience going into next season, um, this was kind of the season that I got to see everything and learn everything. And hopefully at the games, because it is such a beast, um, I'll get some more hands-on with them. So I ran some warm-ups and things at um, Wadapalooza. Now at the games, we'll have to prep two athletes. Um, plus we have a master's athlete in the 35 category. Um, and I believe we have one in the, one of the upper categories. So you're trying to like, sometimes the females are warming up when the males are going out or they have to warm up together and then they end up, or they, you know, the events always change at the game. So it's this, we're all going to have to cook up these ideas together of how to get them to where they need to be. Um, and each of us has like a sort of different thought process. So we're able mm -hmm. to meet at the best set route for them. Um, and they really give us a lot of feedback too. Um, so we can come up with these ideas and they'll be like, well, what about like, I feel like this will work and we can, we sit down and have a little powwow beforehand to get everyone ready and come up with the best thing. So the plan with DECA is to keep growing with them. Um, and it's like the greatest side job because it doesn't feel like I'm working. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's yeah. like a it's, a, it's an easy job because it feels kind of like a hobby with deadlines. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That's kind of like podcasting too. It's like, it's a hobby, but it's like, I love, love doing this. It's like lot, it's yeah. a lot of fun. So, and like programming too, but, um, what, what have been like some of the biggest, like learning, you know, you thought would be like, you know, the right way to, to program. And then all of a sudden they're like, you may want to consider doing it this way. Like what are some of like the changes in your mind for programming have come about? Um, so there's been a good, I had a pretty strong knowledge of strength programming mm -hmm. and strength progressions. So now it's been learning one gymnastics has been a big, so I got my gymnastics certification, coaching certification, which has helped, but just how do you take all these little pieces? Cause CrossFit is like this sport of a lot of things mashed together. So how do you take and build all these pieces at times during the season and then wrap them back together, come open quarterfinals, semifinals time. Um, so that's been the biggest learning curve is like, I knew how to separately program pieces, but how do you get them all back together? Okay. Okay. Um, because you do have so many intricate things, but you don't, it's kind of like the, the person who's going to win the games is the one that like one doesn't make mistakes and two is good, but not the best at very specific things. Um, and some of it is how to play the game too. Um, yeah. It is still a sport. So it's make up the points where, you know, you can, and then, you know, try not to lose the points in the areas that are a little bit weaker for you. Yeah. So is Pat Vellner excited that they're not swimming this year at the games? <laughs> I have not talked to him about that, um, <laughs> but he has been swimming a lot. Um, I can say that um, it's helpful that he like recently was with Ryan Lochte doing some swimming. Oh, that's cool. Or, okay. Um, Cause he's with cheer as one of his sponsors. So yep. um, he's gotten some insight into swimming Um it's always the joke. It's kind of funny to talk to him about it because he knows, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like getting strong takes time. I'm trying to mute this so that things not like yelling at us. No, you're good. Um, so it takes like swimming takes as much time as like building strength does. Like, it's not just going to be like, Oh, I'm going to swim twice a week and then I'll just get better. Mm -hmm. um, at that level, he's like not a, bad swimmer i think that's the thing that like the crossfit space like loves to latch on if someone finishes like close to the bottom in an yeah. event they're like they never knew how to lift a barbell and it's like well they still cleaned like 370 everyone else just cleaned 390 it's like uh so for him like he can swim now it's just like how do we move you from 30th to how do you move to 20th or how do you mitigate some of that loss? Um, I'm still not convinced that they won't swim because it just seems like that was one of the pieces I could see. I always have thought the pool events are a lot better to watch from just strictly from like a spectator standpoint. Yeah. Um, like even in the, the ranch games, like the smaller games, that pool event was super cool to watch um, because there was sort of like a cadence to it. It wasn't just like they're all out there and they all look the same because they have the same color swim cap on mm -hmm. and you don't really know what's going on because it's just kind of chaotic. Um, so I think a pool event would be really cool to see. I don't know if it'll happen, um, but being that close to like, I'm surprised they haven't used the University of Wisconsin yet. That, I was just going to ask that. Like they should they should use the Wisconsin like swimming, you know, arena. Yeah, because you've got, I mean, one of the largest D1 programs, I'd say in the country. I mean, you're probably talking in the top 15 to 20 mm -hmm. uh, right there. So I would like to see use of their space. Um It'd be cool to see a track event on their track, some, some kind of use of that space. Um, and it's also good exposure because you do have a lot of college kids granted. They're not there in the summer, but it could create some tie to 
sort of that age that is generally like less fit and less into exercising might be like, oh, like they went and did this event. Like, let's go try it. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're not going to like perform to that level, but there's sort of a nostalgia to it being in your backyard. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so we're getting close to the end. So I have some couple of, a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, so, um, what, what are you, I agree. We talked about the goals with Decacom and stuff like that. So, um, and obviously getting married in October, but are there any other goals that you want to hit by the end of the year, personal or like work-wise? Um, I mean, I have like a long-term, training goal, um, to make semifinals that's from like my own athletic standpoint. Um, so continuing work towards that, um, I started working with mindset RX, um, to do, which I know, you know, Hannah, um, you actually know, like my whole group of misfit friends have all been Mm -hmm. on the podcast, um, from back in that era. Um, but I started working with them to kind of sure up some mindset stuff that, was holding back some of my training. So it's been really cool to sit down and work with them. And, um, so the, the goal long-term is to make a semifinal. Okay. Okay. Um, what's in your gym bag? What's in my gym bag. Um, there is a, at least two to three bags of gummy worms. <laughs> um, yep. let's see, thumb tape, jump rope. There's always a t-shirt I forgot about. Um, Right now, because I just used it to travel, there's a bunch of masks in there um, that I just have kind of left. Um, so when we were flying and you still had to have a mask on, um, I just always stuffed like a bunch that I had from work. And I'm horrible at cleaning my bag out. Unless it's <laughs> like food, it's probably not going to come out ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always two pairs of socks, sunglasses. Um, I'm sure there's more stuff. Like if I emptied it out, we'd find some like random things in there that yeah, I random pe- random pennies and stuff like that. And yeah. yeah, yeah. There's always like a few dollars in there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, um, so what is um I know we talked about your favorite book a while back, but do you have a new favorite book that you like to read? Or do you have a book that you're reading right now? Um, not currently reading anything. So doing this mindset work it's like 15 to 20 minutes a day of like journaling and stuff like that so i've been setting my time in there um i still think i probably answered the bfg was my favorite book okay back then would be yeah, I, think guess. It, I, I think that was it yeah it sounds very yeah, familiar I, yeah i still think that's probably my first um i haven't done a lot of leisure reading um but i did dive into doing some duolingo to learn french so if we're talking like literature wise, um, going up to Montreal where deck is based. Um, I wanted to learn some French, so I wasn't totally lost. So I know a very little bit so far, but more to come. Okay. Um, so let's, this one's going a little deep. So let's just say this is your last day on earth. You have all your friends and family around you uh, on your deathbed. How do you want people to know you as? Um, wow. This is, but I guess it's somewhat simple. So I guess my, my two things would be like thanking everyone for like at whatever point in my life that is, there's been so many influences that have guided me to wherever it is I am. Um, and then, you know, to remember, like, I like to think of myself as like a hard worker and I don't like to hear no um, not from the perspective of like, I'm going to drive my car hundred miles an hour. No, you can't do that. Um, but like, uh, like if I put my mind to something, I'm going to do it. So, um, if it was my last day, I'd want everyone to take that on into their life into whatever piece that is for them, um, to keep moving forward. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, um, thank you for coming on the show again. Um, yeah. and I, I don't know why I thought you were married already. So, but, uh, uh, that's all right. It's, uh, Alexa runs the social media of the household. I'm like not as tuned into it. So, um, she would let you know, I think it's like 91 days, 89 days, um, until the date. So if anyone's trying to find out when I'm getting married, if you follow her, 
you'll know a lot more than if you follow me. Yeah. I forgot to mention, where can people reach out to you? Um, so Instagram is at solo Snyder. Um, if anyone wants to try deck out, um, or come on board, if people are looking for coaches, um, if you email, if you go to the DECA website and email them or train heroic, we've got a seven day, um, trial of all our programs. So, um, anyone who wants to come try it out, definitely do it. Um, but Instagram is usually the easiest, um, for me. Okay. If I throw awesome. my phone number, telemarketers would call me. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, like I said, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, I'd love to have you on later on, maybe talk about like, you know, instead of being like two years, maybe like a little bit shorter time than that. So yeah, absolutely. Um, at least talk about your CrossFit games and like your experience with like, you know, Vellner and like the other, you know, in, in Freya and stuff like that. And kind of, you know, let me know how it went for, you know, the, 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 like, you know, the behind the scenes of coaching. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to do like a, a follow-up um, because I'm sure it's going to be a wild ride. Um, it always is. There's so many things going on and there's so much running around, but that's why I'm there. It's, it's fun to sort of have that wild time. Yeah. And so is this your first time going to the games, right? Yeah. So it'll be my first time at the games, both as a spectator and as a coach. Um, so, and I've heard it's changed every year. So it seems like even as a coach, that's a veteran, like some things stay the same, but there's always new things getting thrown into the loop and new places to go. So, um, I'm super excited to, to see it and learn and, and feel it out. And, um, I think you're going to see some big things from the athletes we have. Awesome. Well, um, thank you for coming on and we'll, we'll definitely talk later. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. All right. See you, man.